You're listening to a message from CT College, the college ministry of Cross Timbers Church located in Denton, Texas. If you would like to learn more about us, visit crosstimberschurch.org slash college or follow us on Instagram at CT underscore college. Do you guys ever have like doubts? Like questions about whether or not these words that we're singing or this... Um, scripture that we teach from, um, is it like for real? Like, do y'all ever like question that sometimes? And like, man, is, or is this just something that we like made up in our heads to make ourselves feel better? Like, is this, is this it? Uh, I think that it's good for us to have those doubts. This is a place to bring your doubts, a place to have, bring those questions. Cause we believe that God um, allows for us to process through those things. But I wanted to just bring forth the idea that I means sometimes this whole Christianity thing can be confusing. Um, I think even specifically and kind of where we're going to talk about tonight is, um, I mean, we even sang this song, like there's this holy God who is gracious and kind and merciful, but then also like we live in a world that's filled with like brokenness and pain and evil. And it's like, how do these two things like coincide or, or even, um, I, it's not on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. In Exodus 34, um, this is like one of the most important verses in the Old Testament because it really, just, God is describing himself to us um, as, as he portrays himself to Moses. Um, and it says this in Exodus 34, verse 5, and I think it's going to help us frame um, what's going on here. It says, in, or verse 6, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, so this is God proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. So, I mean, that we sing about that a ton. Like we've got this loving, gracious, merciful God who forgives sinners, who, who loves to forgive the wicked. But then... The very next verse in, it says this, it says, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children, children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. So what we've got here is this God who is gracious and compassionate, who forgives sin, but also a God who punishes for sin and that there are consequences to our sin. And it's one of those things, it's like, how do those fit together? How do those go together? That, that's confusing. How can there be this God of grace as well as a God of justice? Like, how it, can God have this law that seems to separate us from him, but then his heart is always reaching out for us? Like, this, how does this inner work? How is there this God of love and then also our experience of evil? And so I think there is a, an answer to that question, um, and I think it's going to like really be beautiful when we begin to see it as we um, investigate Isaiah chapter 53 tonight. So if you've got your Bibles, um, and I hope you do, if you don't, we've got black Bibles kind of spread around the different seats. We'd love for you to grab that and pick it up um, to follow along with Isaiah 53. Um, and I think that as we track through this ultra important chapter in the Bible that we're going to see um, four distinct sections in Isaiah 53. You see, because this is poetry. Um, so we're, it's broken up into three verses each of this like poetry um, in which Isaiah is going to communicate to us um, 
this great news of how God is so gracious, yet he also punishes sin. Because here's the thing is that you and I both long for God to punish sin. Here's why. is because if he didn't, then he is not just. Because, I mean, think, well, think with me for a second. Let's think critically. Let's ask the hard questions. That's what we do when we come here. We think critically. We ask hard questions. It's, you guys, like, if evil was running rampant in the world and God did nothing, that would make him a terrible father. Like, think about if, 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 someone, if, if, if someone's dad had a daughter who was getting picked on and bullied and he just watched and did nothing. That's a bad dad. Or watching his kid run in traffic and he's just like, oh yeah, you go right ahead. That's not good parenting. That's not love. And so we're gonna see that there is gonna be this beautiful merger between the grace of God and the justice of God. And I think we're gonna see it in Isaiah 53. And before we get there, I want to frame this a little bit, is that have you ever stopped and actually thought about, man, why is there evil in the world? Why is our experience on planet Earth as challenging as it is? Why does anxiety rear its ugly head in our heads and in our minds? Why does depression exist? Why is there cancer? Why is there mass shootings? Why is there racism? Why is there sexism? Why, like, why do these things exist? Why is life so stinking hard sometimes? And I think we can bring it all the way back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve and their choice to go um, an opposite way of God, to choose their own way. And just for illustration purposes, I've got my um, backpack. If you're listening to the podcast, this message is probably going to be confusing. Um, but this idea that when Adam and Eve chose their own way, that they began to add weight to the life that they were carrying. And then all of a sudden, that the choice that Adam and Eve made, it began to make life more difficult and challenging and brokenness made its way onto the scene. And then as we lived and we, and we continue on our way, maybe um, growing up with your family, there were some things that took place in your household that hurt you. That maybe it wasn't even your fault, but something happened to you. Something, someone did something to you and it began to add this weight that you carry around with you everywhere. It's like this proverbial backpack that you're just carrying around and it's adding weight to your life. Or, or maybe, for instance, it's, um, it's some sort of uh, your personal choices, that whether or not um, it's an addiction, maybe it's um, pornography, or maybe it's um, social media, and, you, just, and you, you find that you're just like addicted to this thing, you can't get away from it, and it's just adding more and more weight to your life, and then things are getting twisted and broken, or maybe it's a relationship that like went wrong, someone you thought who was going to care for you and love you forever, but they didn't. And then it broke you. And so then you're adding this weight to your life and you're carrying it around and it's getting heavier and heavier. And then you begin to get stressed and worried about making sure you do well in school so you don't end up in the same place that your parents ended up, so you can have the education, so you can get the job and get out of the situation that you were in. And then this anxiety begins to suffocate you and it adds weight to the backpack. Or maybe you're a great Christian churchgoer and you know, the whole like sex, drugs, alcohol isn't your problem, but it's this idea of judgment and pride that's welling up inside of you and it's killing you. And it's just adding more and more weight. And you fill in the blank, but it's like literally more and more stuff 
that we, has happened to us or that we have done is just adding weight to this backpack that we're carrying around day in, day out. Let me see if I can break this thing in half today. This is actually really heavy. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, this life that is supposed to be full of joy and exuberance is suddenly being weighed down. In your attempt to li- live as God would you intend for me, y'all, it's heavy. It's hard. And these things that have happened to you, these things that you have done, man, this weight is weighing on you. And whether or not it was the sin of Adam and Eve, the sin of your actual parents, or the sin that you chose to do, man, it is adding weight to your backpack. It's adding weight to your life. It's not what God intended. And like Exodus talked about, man, God is gracious, but he also is gonna bring justice. And so let's talk realistically about how we can get this weight off of our back. Not just like a happy clappy, let's get this off our back, but like real stuff to help us take steps forward to live what God's given us. Does that make sense? All right, let's do it. I'm gonna take this off because it hurts. All right, now we'll finally get to Isaiah 53. Um, a little bit on this, uh, there is a 17th century Jewish scholar. This is so cool to me. Um, his name's Raphael Levi. And this 17th century Jewish scholar calls Isaiah 53 the forbidden chapter. Dun, dun, dun. The forbidden chapter. Why the forbidden chapter? Is he, you know, he's a Jewish historian and he found out that, um, you know, that when, in Jewish synagogues, when they would have their yearly reading as they would make their way through the Old Testament, that they would skip this chapter. Why? So our Jewish uh, friends, um, they do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They do not believe that Jesus was the one who's come to reconcile um, us to God and make all things right. And so the issue was is they would read Isaiah 53 and they'd be like, yo, that's talking about Jesus. And so they would actually like skip this chapter. And I would even maybe even say this this way for our Christian people is like, um, you know, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, The first four books is like, those books are telling us the account of Jesus. They're telling us about his life. They're telling us about his death. We're talking about his apparent resurrection. And people have called Isaiah 53 the first gospel. Because what we're gonna be looking at is a lot about Jesus. So let's look, Isaiah 53, and it'll begin to make a little bit more sense. Starting in verse one, God's word says this to us. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. So verses one through three, I think this is the first section. What we're really gonna see is the person of Jesus. Verses one through three is talking about the person of Jesus. I mean, let's look at verse one together. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
So this is really important here to think about what it's talking about with the arm of the Lord. Uh, it, they talk about that, the, uh, that we were created by the finger of God. Um, the Israelites in the Old Testament were brought out of Israel or brought out of exile by the hand of God and that we are rescued and ransomed from our sin and death by the arm of God. And so what it's talking about here is it's talking about his saving power. It's talking about God's ability to rescue us from our current condition of sin and death. It's talking about his ability to get this weight that is crushing us off our backs. It's the saving arm. I think about it this way. Um, in, in Savannah, Georgia, which is the southeast coast of Georgia, there's this, um, the Savannah River runs through there. Uh, when I was about... Uh, I guess I was probably six years old. I went to Savannah with my parents um, and it was late at night and, and you could see the Savannah River just ripping by. I mean, it was flying. And I, and I made this like quick comment to my mom. I was like, mom, what would you do if I jumped in the river right now? And of course she like held me back and then was like, <laughs> and she was like, well, I would jump in after you, of course. And I, would, and I would reach for you and I would grab you and make sure, and I would swim you to safety. And in the same way, what he's saying here is like, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In the same way that my mom would jump in and rescue me, what, what Isaiah is saying here, what he's prophesying about is, man, the arm of the Lord, the thing that's gonna come and rescue, who's heard it? And so we're talking about this saving power that is gonna come in the person of Jesus. Then look at verse three with me. Um, it says that he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. And then again, at the very end, it says he was despised. What, do we, what does it mean by despised? What's it talking about with the person of Jesus and him being despised? It means that he wasn't worthy of our attention. It means that no one looked at Jesus when he was a child and was like, oh my gosh, this is the son of God. No one looked at him and was like, oh, this is who we need to give our attention to. This is who we need to give our affection to. Like he was a nobody. I mean, you, you look at the New Testament and you don't see anyone giving Jesus the right attention at his early age because no one knew. I mean, he was just like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. But rather, he was just like a nobody when in fact he was the one somebody. Um, this is a really silly illustration, but um, I, uh, when I first lived here, I lived really close to Grapevine, Texas, home of Post Malone. And whenever I would, <laughs> whenever I would meet people from Grapevine, they're like, oh, I went to Grapevine High School, and they would tell me the age gap. I was like, so, like, you know Post Malone? And literally, I had one girl be like, I know Post Malone, but I knew him, and I don't even know what his real name is, but he was like, she was like, I knew him before he was Post Malone, but like, at that point, like, he was a nobody. And now he's like one of the most popular artists in the country, maybe in the world. And like no one knew who he was because they were like, well, he's just a nobody. And in the same way, when Jesus was growing up, they're like, oh, this is a nobody. He's, he's not going to do anything for us. And like the reality is, is that how often, friends, even now, Jesus is just like, I'll take it or leave it. Like he is not useful enough for us, even now. It's like the selfishness and the power of our culture has like brainwashed us to be like, yeah, like Jesus, I'll take it and I'll leave him. And so this first little chapter, first little section, these first three verses, we're seeing that the person of Jesus, he is the arm that God wants to use to rescue us, to rescue his people. But there is something in us that's like, ah, eh, 
I don't, I, I, he's not going to elevate me. He's not going to help make me prosperous. He's not going to give me lots of money. He doesn't work in with this culture very well. So we see this like person of Jesus. And then let's keep going in verses four through six. And this is like the chunk of it that I really want you to see tonight. He says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Hear this in verse five, friends. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Did you catch that in verse six? Can we leave, this, leave that up there? Did you catch that in, in verse six? That we have all turned our own way, friends. Like that is literally us choosing to pick up these bricks, choosing these things and putting them on ourselves. That we have gone away from God. We have actively rebelled against a holy God. And, and whether or not it's an active rebellion that we have chosen or if it's just the wandering of life in which we found ourselves apart from this life source, apart from this holy God, and we have found ourselves in a situation that we can't get out of, a weight that is crippling. And the thing is, is that left to our own devices, death awaits us. Left alone, I will be suffocated under the weight of my sin and under the sin of the world. Left to my own devices, the God of justice, like I'm done for, like my, my, my ship is sunk. But then, oh my goodness, y'all, look what it says in verse four and verse five. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet when we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I mean, are you hearing these words, friends? Like literally pierced. Like this is language of crucifixion. This is the language of the cross. Thousands and thousands of years before Jesus even entered the scene and Isaiah is prophesying about this man who's gonna reach his arm out and save his people from the weight of sin and death. And he's gonna be pierced. He's gonna be put on a cross and it's gonna bring us peace. I mean, are you seeing this here? That this weight that we're gonna be, that we're, we, you may even feel tonight that's crushing down on you that the author of Isaiah and the books of the gospel, the entire story of the Bible is saying, yo, the weight doesn't have to crush you anymore because my arm has reached down. His name is Jesus. And like we're gonna talk about in just a second, he lived a life you couldn't live, died the death that you deserve and rose again victorious in order that you don't have to be crushed anymore because he already was. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Would you be willing, just, just as we're sitting here, would you make this personal? But he was pierced for Cole's transgressions. He was crushed for Cole's iniquities. The punishment that brought Cole peace was on him. By his wounds, Cole is healed. But he was pierced for Alex's transgressions. 
He was crushed for Alex's iniquities. The punishment that brought Alex peace was upon him. By his wounds, Alex is healed. But he was pierced for Alyssa's transgressions. He was crushed for Alyssa's iniquities. The punishment that brought Alyssa peace was on him. And by his wounds, Alyssa is healed. Like, this is for you. And that when Jesus died on the cross, friends, that he took the weight of sin and death that was crushing you and he put it upon himself so that God could destroy evil without destroying you. The answer to our question of how does a holy God and a God of justice coexist, it's the cross. That he said, I'm gonna step into humanity. I'm gonna bear the weight of evil in order that people that trust in me don't have to have evil bear on them. It's the greatest news in the world. Or even, um, I have some other verses that will really help us with this. So Colossians chapter two, or you don't have to turn there, I'll do it. Um, Colossians 2, 13 through 15. It says this, when you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Your debt has been paid. The pain that you have experienced can be healed because of what Jesus has accomplished. Or maybe even um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that leads us to our next section. If you look with me um, at verses seven through nine, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Third thing we see is the innocence of Jesus. So we've seen the person of Jesus, the passion of Jesus, And now we're seeing the innocence of Jesus, that friends, he did all of this. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. One of the most incredible things no one ever talks about, I think, one of the best miracles of Jesus, wasn't him walking on water, wasn't him healing the blind man, but one of the best things about miracles of Jesus was that he restrained from reacting to this punishment. That can you imagine, friends, you live a perfect life. You do nothing but heal, set people free, try to establish the kingdom of God on earth, and you're being beaten, spit on, mocked. So he did not open his mouth. 
yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. That Jesus was completely submissive to this. That he didn't retaliate at all. Zero percent. And here's the thing is like it's talking about his innocence, right? That he really was perfect. He was fully God, fully man. That literally, y'all, he lived the life that you and I could not live. Like the life that we were destined to live apart from the junk of sin and death. Jesus lived it all with the temptation, with the struggles, with the sin, and didn't have any of it. Lived the perfect life so that his death would be able to fulfill the righteous requirement that God demands. And so then hear this, someone who has no sin, giving himself up as a sacrifice for those who do have sin. That's what this is about. He has complete innocence. And so Jesus, out of his own volition, out of his own choice, said, I love these people. I am the arm of the Lord. I want to rescue them from carrying this around. And though I am innocent, I'm going to take all of their junk, all of their pain, all of their suffering, and I'll take it on myself. I haven't add, Jesus didn't add anything to this backpack, but he took it on himself, the innocence of Jesus. I mean, this, is, this was his life plan. I mean, Mark 10, 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Acts, or um, Luke 19, 10, which is really the purpose statement of Luke, if you're read, on our reading plan at all, you'll get it tomorrow when we read it, is that he came to seek and save the lost. Innocent Jesus, fully God, fully man, came to rescue you and I. And so there's the person of Jesus. There's the passion of Jesus. There's the innocence of Jesus. And then let's look at the last section, verses 10 through 12. And we'll wrap up here. And if the band wants to come and play, they can do that. It says this, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Catch this in verse 11. And he ha after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the, with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made the intercession of transgressions. Last thing we see here, verses 10 through 12, catch this, this is the fun part, is we see the victory of Jesus. That God says, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. That Jesus has bore this junk, bore our sin, bore our shame on the cross. And he took it all and it was paid. And then Jesus, like literally, intense, I know, right? Kidding. And then Jesus like stands victorious over it that the sin and the pain that he experienced on the cross, he didn't just stay dead, but he said, you know what? I'm gonna conquer it and I'm gonna stand victorious over it. And if those that will choose to trust in Jesus 
will then also be able to stand victorious over the sin and the death and the pain that they once experienced. That like death has been defeated. Like Jesus died, but death lost. And this is our great hope that when we trust in Jesus, friends, that sin is finished. It no longer has the final word. I mean, and here's the thing is I'm not just saying like, okay, tomorrow that magically you're no longer gonna struggle anymore. Is what I'm saying is that like there is power for you to begin to overcome this in a process. And then there is coming a day when he returns, when all evil will be undone. Every wrong thing that has ever happened to you will be made right that there's gonna be a restoration of all things. And so what I love about the power of the cross, what I love about the power of what Isaiah 53 is talking about is you fill in the blank doesn't have the final word. Your addiction doesn't have the final word in your life. The abuse you suffer does not have the final word in your life. Racism does not have the final word. Sexism does not have the final word. Cancer doesn't have the final word. Stupid car accidents don't have the final word. Suicide doesn't have the final word. And it's not just, and, and with, with, with Jesus, it's not just talk. It's not just wishful thinking. It's a reality. It's a historical event that took place when he said, yo, 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 like sin and death, I'm tired of it. I'm gonna be the saving arm of God. I'm gonna take on the iniquity and the pain, the death of the world. And I'm gonna pay for it. Not only am I gonna pay for it, I'm gonna defeat it. And I'm gonna stand on top of it. I'm gonna offer that life to those who would trust in me. And so here's what I know, is that there are a lot of you in the room tonight who are like, yeah, Cole, this is like old talk. Like I know, like Jesus is my savior. He died for my sin. He rose from the dead. Woo, heaven forever. Like I get it. Like, that, like we've heard this story before. But the thing I've been like really wrestling with over the past couple of weeks is that God saved me. He delivered me from sin and death, but he is still a deliverer today. That Jesus isn't just a deliverer. He wouldn't just deliver, he is delivering. That God just didn't save, but he's saving. That God didn't just take the weight once, he's taking the weight now. And so I needed to take like an honest look at my life and say, Cole, like, man, what is your weight what is your transgression? What is your sin? What is the, the thing that you are carrying around that you're bringing with you everywhere that Jesus is like, yo, I was pierced for that transgression. I was crushed for that iniquity. Man, the punishment that brought you peace, Cole, that was on me. Like those wounds, man, like, like those are what's supposed to make you healed. And so like so many of us were Christians walking around with weights and with pains and with things. And like Jesus is like, yo, give it to me. It's why I came. And so I would just ask tonight, like, man, what is your weight? What is your pain? What is the thing that you are carrying around? And it is like <laughs> exhausting. And the invitation of heaven and the invitation of Jesus is, man, would you bring it to me? And like, let me, let me, let me bear the load. And, and, I, and I had a chance to participate in something similar to this in class um, where we just got to like write down on a piece of paper what our weight was or what our sin was or what our hurt was. And then we just got to go pick it up uh, and throw the thing away. And it was a physical action 
to this inward reality of like, man, I'm choosing to trust Jesus with this and know that like my screw up doesn't have to define me. That like where I have gone astray doesn't have to have power in my life anymore. And so, man, there are note cards in your seat and there should be pens and stuff there with you. And if that's helpful for you tonight and we're singing this next song, would you pray and like write down, like, what is it? And would you go like throw it away in these trash cans? And maybe to you, that sounds like the dumbest thing ever. Don't do it. But I just wanna give you guys an opportunity to, to hear these words. In Christ, you are free. In Christ, you do not have to carry those weights. In Christ, you do not have to bear the punishment of sin because Jesus already has. And so maybe you don't, you've never trusted Christ with your life and you need to give your life to him in order to experience the freedom of his substitutionary death. Or maybe you are a Christian in the room, but you need to be reminded again that Jesus didn't just die for the sins of your past, but he is dying for the sins of your present and the sins of your future. And he's saying, I don't want them to hinder you any longer. So I'm gonna pray. Um, we're gonna sing another song. We'd love for you to respond however you feel led, knowing that the person of Jesus, the passion of Jesus, the innocence of Jesus, and the victory of Jesus gives us the chance that when we are in Christ, we can be free. Let me pray. Father, God, we have no idea what you went through that day. And God, that you were crushed for my sin and my choices and my evil, God, that I brought into the world. And God, I just pray that that would, uh, God, that would strike us anew today. That it was my sin that put him on the cross and that God, that you can continue to rescue me from what weighs me down because of what happened that day and that you rose again, God, rose victorious over that junk so that I could live with you forever. And so I pray that would be a reality for my friends tonight. So God, thank you that you were crushed. Thank you that you rose again. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen.